You're listening to the Tony Stewart Podcast, where Tony interviews financial literacy advocates who are changing the conversation on money, so you can catch up on the latest trends and ideas in the world of financial literacy and education. Presented by Paperwork. Be prepared for life. Welcome to the Tony Stewart Podcast presented by Paperwork. I'm pleased to be joined today by Julie Pinkerton. Julie is the CEO of eBosen LLC and founder of Client First, an emerging fintech platform that enables mature financial advisors to exit gracefully and women and minorities to achieve gravitas more quickly in the financial services industry. In this episode, we'll be discussing the Client First platform, the importance of putting client needs first, and why diversity is important in the financial services community. Julie, welcome to the Tony Stewart podcast. (laughs) Thank you so much, Tony. I appreciate getting to be with you today. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you. So Julie, to get started, um, you know, it's always interesting to hear people's origin stories. Can you share with us, what is your origin story? How did your career lead you to starting Evozen? Absolutely. I've been in the business for 35 years now, and I have actually worked in a home office. I've worked as a retail um, insurance agent and financial advisor, and I've been in the corporate world. My last uh, corporate position was with a large West Coast company, and uh, there worked my way all the way up to uh, my last role was working with financial advisors in practice management, sales ideas, and bridging you know, the world between financial advisory and insurance products. And um, always had a plan B. And that plan B was, you know, if I ever had decided that um, you know, I wasn't uh, happy with what I was doing, you know, what would I do next? So instead of doing New Year's resolutions, I would um, always have, you know, update my plan B. So every January I'd pull it out. And the last January before um, I parted uh, with my last company, um, I had decided that um, there was, you know, you see it, you come to a point where you realize that there's an existing problem in your business. And for ours, it was the statistic that um, even despite uh, over a decade of diversity initiatives, um, you know, there were still almost exactly the same number of women in the business. And, you know, you think somebody needs to do something about that. And then you realize that maybe you're part of that someone. And so the last plan that I had updated in January, 2017 was to create that bridge to be able to do that. And so um, in late, in late January, um, uh, when my company and I decided to part ways, then um um, you know, I undid that um, plan and rolled it out. And that's what's become EvoZen. Well, that's great. And, and I think that is such an important issue to focus on is, you know, we see it in so many areas as people know that there's an issue. There's an issue for a really long time and not much changes. So it's great to see, you know, someone like you who's, you know, deciding to take action to hopefully change the conversation a little bit and and I think that's what led to your new platform right Mm -hmm. it did you know the so so much of our industry you know has been built in a certain fashion you know obviously uh, you know it's a, a male dominated industry and a Caucasian dominated industry and um you know at some point that um sometimes works and sometimes doesn't 
And there was a lot of areas that, that I saw where um, the, the, the crossover of those two had so many opportunities that were being missed. And, you know, when, when we're in a business that we're looking and planning ahead for the future and the future was changing. And so it was um, an opportunity to be able to put my voice out there and be able to um, show, you know, a path that was from a female's perspective and, um, you know, to be able to bring, integrate those two visions together into something that hopefully works better for all of us. Well, that's great. And I, I think so many people feel left out of the financial conversation because it's not about them. Um, as another guest put it, uh, somebody else in the financial literacy community, the financial services world is pale, male, and stale. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and I think that really nails it is, you know, so many people are not uh, talked to right. by the financial services industry. Um, so, you know, you've created this platform called Client First. Mm -hmm. What is Client First? Client First is, to, is taking those, those two perspectives and being able to um, take a look and say, what, what are the problems in the industry? Obviously, we do have a lot of mature advisors that, you know, especially with COVID, that they're looking to um, perhaps contemplate what their, you know, their final chapter looks like in the business but we also have a lot of women and minorities that are trying to you know, be properly positioned to be able to achieve gravitas. And the irony of it all is, is that I, I think that there's this feeling that we really have to do all this big haul push work to be able to, to um, you know, create a better path for, for both of those. But the irony out of the whole thing is, is that the client out there's number one concern is that they haven't been heard. They haven't been seen, they haven't been heard. And it doesn't matter what gender, what background, what ethnicity, whatever, they, they all have that feeling. And so the thing about it is, is when we have a regulatory environment that's continuing to um, you know, say, hey, we need to put the client first. We need to do what is in their best interest. I've learned over my 35 years that when I serve others well, I tend to be served very well. And so, you know, by creating a, a, a community that literally has its eyeballs on the client first, what's, what happens is, is that there is a natural flow that allows for those other two large problems to be able to be resolved. And so um, I wanna, you know, wanted to create an environment that actually embraced the regulation you know, whether it's the fiduciary rule, you know, DOL, best interest, call it what you want, you know, all of those are still trying to be able to get to that point. And so if we can embrace that, then we have the ability to be able to, again, you know, increase the valuations of the firms for the, the retiring um, executives and so they have a chance to be able to exit out of their practices at the highest possible rate. And um, we are able to create a pool of advisors that can come in and help make that succession even that much easier because we have all these women and minorities that now will be properly positioned to take advantage of that opportunity. Well, that's great. And, and I think that's something that the financial services community so often misses is, you know, it's product first quite often mm -hmm. and then trying to find the people to fit into that product rather than taking a look and saying, okay, maybe this is what people want and 
<laughs> you know, leading that way. So, you know, I, I think that's, you, you've probably already gotten to this question, but, you know, let's delve a little bit deeper sure. is why is it important to put clients needs front and center? Absolutely. You know, if we're going to truly serve our clients best, you know, first of all, the industry has been fighting over the same 15% of the market for a very long period of time, you know, high net worth, pale, male, stale, whatever, you know, however people want to phrase it, they've been fighting over that market. And in that time period, women certainly have increased their ability in the financial community and the financial power and clout that they have. And yet, you know, they're, they're still being left behind. But it's interesting because the other, you know, push-pull that exists in the industry is, of course, you know, behind fees versus commissions. And, you know, again, we're getting back into the regulation and what, what is a fiduciary and, and you know, the, the differences among those. And there was a, a conference that I went to in 2016, and it was an amazing conference. Um, and there was a, a firm there that was giving a presentation on philanthropic planning. So, you know, of obviously a very notable goal to be able to make other lives better. These um, two partners, and I'm not giving too many details because, I, you know, I don't, I don't want to, to put the advisors in a, in a bad position. Um, but I, but I, I heard these two partners t- give probably the best presentation I've ever heard at a conference. I mean, their material was spot on. Their planning was, you know, top notch. They were really truly at the top of their game and some of the best in the industry. But in the very end, there was only time for one question. And one of the uh, people in the crowd um, stood up and said, do you ever have somebody who doesn't implement one of these these plans? They're, They're amazing. And they're like, oh yeah, we just, we had one that, you know, they had worked with for almost two years. And again, because of their expertise, their fees are, you know, fairly high. And um, in the end, they didn't implement it because they couldn't come up with a way to equalize the estate. And the reality is, is in the insurance community, that could have been easily accomplished with two term policies. And so, but it wasn't in their line of sight because obviously life insurance is is typically a commissionable product and they were fiduciaries. And so they were only working in the fee-based arena. And so the thing is, is that sometimes we're not serving our clients best simply because they're not able to implement the expert advice that we're able to give them. And so if we can resolve some of these inner conflicts amongst ourselves, then we have an opportunity to truly put the client's needs best because in that particular case, the client didn't have their plan implemented, obviously by their choice, but they also you know, lost out on the fees that they had paid to be able to get to that point. And so if, if, um, you know, if the client's not able to implement a plan, then have we really served them as, as best as we can? And so by taking a look and saying, if that person could have reached out to their network and now, you know, and, and to be able to have a, have, a, um, have a network that they trust, that they have vetted properly according to you know, fiduciary standards, then they could have gone to them and said, here's where we're at with this particular client. Do you think that you have anything in your toolbox that I might be able to refer this client to. So they could have maintained their fiduciary standard 
maintained their, you know, how they're presenting themselves to their clients, but brought in somebody who could have resolved that one little bitty bump in the road and been able to, everybody could have had a much better outcome. So that's why I believe that by putting the client's needs first and finding, you know, how to, to break that wall down is, is a better way to be able to serve, serve them fully and completely, you know, in the process. You know, there's a lot of products, COVID, um, COVID made us very familiar with the idea that um, we not only have to plan for our financial futures, that there can be something so big and so, um, you know, unexpected that, you know, having that emergency fund is so important, but it also brought, you know, brought to terms that we do have mortality issues, that they're, the long haulers are finding out that there's long-term care issues. And these are all products that are across the spectrum of both fee and um, fee and commission um, solutions. And so I think that we really have an opportunity this year to be able to bridge those together because each of them has their place when they're used properly. And that's the question of course is, can we use them properly among each other? And that's where I think client first community um, has a real leg up in the, in the answers and solutions. Definitely. I, I completely agree with you. And I've seen that over the course of my career as well is that, you know, you have this mismatch because you may have a fee-based advisor who doesn't want to use a commission-based insurance agent. And so you have sort of these bumpy plans or situations like you're describing where people don't have all the gaps filled in because that's not the approach. It's the approach is like, here's a solution let's try to make the solution work rather than like, okay, th this is what the client's looking for, which is exactly what you're talking about and saying, okay, well, how do we make it work? Now the fee versus commissions, we, we could do a whole other podcast <laughs> on that. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, my personal opinion is that it's long past time for the insurance industry to put commissions aside, but that's, my own personal uh, thing. I think that would make it a lot simpler. We've seen pretty much every other financial service product go in that direction. Um, but, but there's a lot of reasons for it. <laughs> <laughs> and each does actually have its place. And, you know, there, there are reasons, pricing reasons and things that go into the factor of why commissions are important in the history, obviously, of the industry. But there are some ways that we can um, you know, create some more seamless solutions, certainly. But also, you know, the other thing that I, I believe that it's important is it's because there hasn't been a, as much trust within the industry among different kinds of advisors, you know, it's hard to be able to go out into a network and find someone that you feel comfortable to be able to turn this, you know, very important client over to for, for um, you know, a different kind of product. And so that's the other part of client first is that there's, um, in, in the various tiers that we're un, unveiling, this is, you know, the, the platform has just launched and we're building the community right now. Um, there are some, some tiers in there that is going to lead to the ability to be able to create those more trusted relationships. And so the other part of this that comes into play actually goes to the advisor themselves. You know, in our first tier where we have behavioral you know, analytics that are powering the platform. And DNA behavior is based in Atlanta, Georgia. And what we've been able to do with them is to be able to create 
um, utilize you know, their um, testing and, and, and results to be able to help an advisor better understand themselves and what they're best at. Because a client is also best served if you're not trying to be everything to them. If you do what you do best and then bring in trusted you know, relationships to be able to do the parts that maybe you're not as, as good at, um, one, again, the client is being served better but you're also not incurring a lot of overhead in an area where maybe you don't have as much expertise. And so again, you're, you're creating a better environment for that maturing advisor that their uh, practice is worth more. And again, you're putting that client first enables you to be able to do that. Well, that's great. I, I, I think that's definitely, um, a groundbreaking approach, uh, to thank you taking care of it. It's going to be exciting to see how that works because, you know, there's, you know, in my mind, there's usually two reasons why sometimes the referrals don't work is sometimes advisors cannibalize their advisor's business. Yes. And sometimes there's a mismatch on the personality of yes. the advisor uh, that somebody has referred to. They, they really, somebody really clicks with their primary advisor and then the advisor they're referred to has a very different Absolutely. And, you know, it's interesting because the other thing that occurs out of that is that, um, you know, sometimes it, when you're looking at the dynamics of, of interpersonal you know, communications, you may have a very good connection with that particular client, but perhaps they're married to um, a spouse that you don't, um, you know, connect quite as well. So sometimes you may want to bring in somebody with a different personality profile because maybe they're going to be able to make a connection to the spouse and everybody then has a higher level of trust of the entire relationship. Sometimes you want to bring in somebody, maybe, maybe this is a client that's been a little bit difficult for you to be able to communicate with. Bringing in someone else, again, in a trusted you know, relationship you would have the ability then to be able to compare notes and both of you would be able to serve that client a little bit better because maybe they do have a little bit um, better connection, but both parties respect each other's expertise. And like you say, don't cannibalize the relationship. Yeah. That, well, that's smart. And, you know, I'm familiar with DNA behavior and uh, for listeners of podcast is um, I, I am going to be posting a interview I did with Hugh Massey, the founder of, uh, DNA behavior on the females in finance meet the author show, uh, which I'll put a link to in the show notes, because I, I would encourage everybody to go out and learn a little bit more about DNA behavior so you can see how it really fits into what Julia is talking about Absolutely. and its importance. And that's, that's why I think it's so thrilling that you have that as part of the process is because people really don't talk about that emotional side to the financial services world that, that it's, you know, people, if they're not feeling comfortable, they're not going to take somebody's advice. They're not going to follow through the, you know, the, the uh, relationship won't work for either the client or the advisor. Exactly. That's important. Is well, and also click. when that client has more trust, they're also willing to, to give their entire portfolio over to a financial advisor. You know, when you're trying to manage money and create an, a, a good investment portfolio for a client, but you're only doing it with part of their assets, let's go back to putting the client first. 
are you truly able to create the best portfolio for them? Because they haven't been willing to tell you everything about all of the money that they have. And they may end up being, you know, uh, you know, overweighted in one particular area or end up with a, you know, some type of a gap or risk that they wouldn't have if they had been able to feel a little bit more comfortable with you to be able to give you, you know, to give you their entire um, holdings to be able to work with. Well, that's great. Yeah. And I think that's something that advisors struggle with. And they're often, uh, there are clients who just, I think, by their nature, don't share all of their information early in the relationship. But uh, oftentimes, it's because clients don't feel comfortable with the advisor. And so they naturally hold back on either some of their insurance policies or some of their investment portfolio, you know, whatever type of advisor you are. That runs across, and I would encourage clients, you know, who are listening or viewing this as a consumer, you know, if you don't feel comfortable with an advisor, find another advisor that you feel comfortable with because that way everybody will benefit from the relationship. Um, you know, for consumers, you have control over exactly. the relationship. Uh, and your advisor why, is here to help you. Exactly. And that's why enrolling the, the platform out, tier one is building the community. But the subscription also in, includes the, the, the cost of the, de- excuse me, the D- DNA behavioral analysis on themselves. In tier two, they're going to be able to do that for their best clients. And so, you know, just by just for the price of admission, they're already learning something more about themselves and how to better communicate with those clients. And right there, literally, that, that pays for the cost of admission right there. Definitely. And it helps them, you know, figure out if they need a portfolio assistant or, uh, you know, or a partner, you know, what kind of partner is going to benefit them and benefit their clients. Exactly. Because then you're taking care of the whole client rather than part of the client. Um, you know, so Julie, you know, as we wrap up, uh, what is your number one tip on being financially prepared? You know, it's a really simple one. Um, and I learned this a long, long time ago um, when I was in retail and working um, with clients in both insurance and, and um, assets. And it was interesting because I was so young in the business at the time. And I worked, happened to have a knack for working with, you know, a little bit older clientele. So, you know, the secret to the success, I guess. But the, um, the one I would constantly ask them, what would be the one thing that if you could go back in time and do differently, would you do? And the answer was absolutely universal. So this is what I want to share today. Every single one of them said, live beneath your means. Whatever your means is at a given time, live beneath it because you never know when that's going to change. And that advice has served my family well. That advice has served the people that, you know, I've been privileged to lead through the years on various teams. Um, And I just think that it's good all around advice uh, for, for all of us to be thinking about because things do change. And if we have that little bit of cushion, it certainly can make a big difference in our overall ability to, to live our best lives. That, that, that's great advice. And, and I think that cushion gets to, you know, what we talk about as insurance for different parts of your lives. I mean, emergency savings is insurance in case you have a temporary uh, loss of income, uh, you know, and of course, the traditional types of insurance. So it's that holistic 
approach, but I love it lived just a little bit beyond your means instead of live a little bit above your means as so many people <laughs> tend to do, you know? Exactly, exactly. Well, it may be fun to get a new car. It's not always the best choice. <laughs> so. You are correct. No, and, and, you know, you can live a very wonderful life. Um, you know, just, you know, just recognize that, you know, don't, don't get into debt. It, yeah, that's, that's <laughs> a great number one tip too. Don't get into debt. It's not good. <laughs> no matter what you hear. Exactly. <laughs> so, so Julie, where can people learn more about you, about Evozen and uh, Client First? Absolutely. Um, on LinkedIn, uh, they can go to the business page, which is Evozen LLC. They can go to my personal page because often I'll share some of those uh, same articles and, and posts. And that's under my name, Julie Pinkerton. And then um, uh, also there's several articles that I've written for U.S. News and World Report. There's talking about succession planning and, and diversity and, and all of these different topics that we're addressing within the platform. So you can just Google my name in U.S. News and find uh, several articles there. So any of those are great places to, to be able to go. Our website address is clientfirst-evozen.com. And evozen is E like Edward, B like Victor, O, Z like Zen, E, N like Nancy. So it's the evolution of Zen. So uh, clientfirst-evozen.com. So uh, come, come uh, follow us, sign up for uh, the newsletter, and uh, certainly follow our LinkedIn page. Fantastic. And for everybody who's watching or listening, I'll have show notes on uh, my website uh, that include links to, you know, uh, Julie's website and to her LinkedIn profile. Uh, so you can stay in touch, learn more about the client first profile uh, platform. Thank so you. Julie, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. I really appreciate it too. And it's been very fun to do this. So thank you. Great. Well, it's great to learn more about the client first <laughs> Uh, platform. And, you know, that's something everybody should always think client first, client first, you, you, you. Uh, so I love it. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. And to everyone, thanks uh, for tuning in to the, the Tony Stewart podcast. Until next time.